Yeah, hey everybody, welcome uh, across the state to a Living Legacy Week 1. Welcome to Fuse, glad to see everybody. Hope everybody's having uh, a good week. I hope that everywhere it feels kind of the way it feels here in the upstate. It's amazing. This is the best couple of weeks of the year, weather-wise. I don't care who tells you what. Like, pollen is kind of low, finally, because it's staying cool. Everything's kind of nice. So, anyway, drink all your coffee, get all your flannels on, get all your fall vibes going as hard as you can, because then it'll be cold consistently, and everybody will complain and be ready for the spring again. So, for like the three weeks where everybody's stoked that it's fall, get as much of it as you possibly can. So, anyway... My name's Caleb. If we haven't met, for those of you in Charleston or Columbia or Florence or wherever you're watching tonight, I just, I just want to take a second right here at the top, and I just want to say I, it's just it's so awesome to be a part of this, um, to be a part of what God is doing here at Fuse, to, to have been here. I, I've been a part of Fuse in some capacity since I was 12 years old, which was like... 16 years ago, which is amazing. And in that time, I've seen it, you know, it's, it's changed a thousand times and where we meet and what we do and who's teaching and who's doing what and who's singing, what songs we're singing, all this changed. What hasn't changed is how amazing it is to watch young people engage in relationships, life-giving relationships with leaders and friends, to watch them fall in love with God, to watch them fall in love with the Bible, to watch them fall in love with worshiping God and the presence of God, and to watch, I mean, regardless of whether you actually think this is the case or not, and I have to remind myself of this, you are growing, you will be not in high school here in, whether it's a couple of months for some of you, or for some of you, it's like just a few years away, and you will be a grown adult with bills and a spouse and children and a career and all sort of craziness one day. It is coming for all of you, and it is, it is so, it's just fascinating to watch. You know, after 16 years, you just kind of come in and you see life cycles just come through, and you meet somebody when they're you know, 11, 12, 13 years old, and they're coming to, to Fuse as a middle schooler, and they don't really know how to talk in a small group, you know, like you just, you know, you ask them a question, and it's just like, ah, I'm not really sure, and so part of the whole first bit of getting somebody in a group when they're young is like, teach them how to talk, and teach them how to think, and ask, and, and read the Bible, and ask questions, and then you kind of grow, and then all of us hit this phase where we get to high school, and what you thought you knew, you maybe don't know anymore, and maybe what you didn't know, all of a sudden, you're just like comfortable with, and everybody kind of goes through this weird phase of finding yourself and belonging and hopefully the prayer is that somewhere along the way we get to be a part of your life in a really fascinating way and it's really amazing like I get the privilege now to to preach weddings of young men and young women who have been a part of a fuse ministry like we met when they were playing quarterback in high school and we met when they were you know walking on to the to trial for the cheerleading team and doing all sorts of stuff like it's, it's just fascinating and I love that you right now are a part of whatever that is for this moment and it's amazing. And I just, I just don't want us to lose sight of, you know, we're in the fall. You're kind of like smack right in the middle of school year. Like, it's just, it's kind of there. You're kind of in the doldrums. Like, you know, Christmas, Thanksgiving time, holiday season is coming up. And it's just kind of an easy part and time of the year to just kind of fall into the rhythms. And so I just want to take a second and just draw our attention to how just amazing this is. Like, how amazing it is that you have the opportunity to hear the word and sing with your friends and if you're not okay to come and like get help and if you are okay to come and like celebrate with people and just to do normal life with people like 
if you get out around, and, and some of you have done this and will do this, but like when you start to get into the next phase of life and you travel the world and you get into, you know, you meet somebody who's your college roommate who is from a completely different part of the world and didn't grow up in church and wasn't a part of something like this, you're going to realize how fascinating it is that you had the opportunity to grow up fleshing out God and the ideas of life with people consistently. Like I'm being very serious when I say you're going to get to college and you're going to get into this next season of life and it's going to, it will hit you then how fascinating this opportunity was, that you are, you've progressed in your ideas about God, that your walk with God, your knowledge of God, your, your relationship, what you understand about the scripture and how you engage with church life. It's going to fascinate you to see how much of an important piece of your life that is compared to other people who don't. And you're going to be so thankful for it one day. And so I just want to call our attention to that. So I want to let you know about a couple of things we have coming up to finish up 2019. 2019 is almost over. Is that crazy? That seems crazy to me. It is crazy. Okay, so... Um, Living Legacy is going to be a three-week series. We're going through the book of 2 Timothy. I'm going to tell you about 2 Timothy here in a bit as part of my message. One of my favorite books of the Bible, potentially my favorite. Um, this week, I'm going to teach. Next week, we have a friend of ours named Stacy Tarrant, who's from, she was from Australia, and then she was here with us for a little while, and then she moved back to Australia to do ministry, but she's here in town with us, so she's going to be preaching next week. So make sure you're here, you bring your friends to come here, Stacy. she's incredible. And then week three of this series, my really good friend, some of you guys in Spartanburg, your really good friend, Drew Hankins, who is our fuse pastor in Spartanburg, who was the quarterback for T.L. Hannah High School right here in Anderson. He is going to be with us, he's going to be teaching, um, rounding out week three. Then we'll take a break uh, for Thanksgiving, and we'll get with our families and eat turkey and watch football and all that good stuff, and then we'll come back. And we're going to finish up with a few weeks of like a Christmas family series. And then we're going to do, so this year we'll do a couple of weeks of the Christmas family series. And then we'll do our big Christmas party at the end of the year. And we'll have middle school and high school all back together. And it'll be giant and chaos. And we'll do red versus green. And so we're going to have like games and competition again. And some of you will be on a team with a seventh grader. Some of you will be on a team with an eighth grader. We're like going to split all that up. So go ahead and be thinking now who you want to recruit to be on your team to win the red versus green Christmas party. So it's just going to be amazing. Just a good chance to at the end of the year to kind of blow it out of the water and have a blast. Then we'll take a break and for a couple of weeks for Christmas, New Year's, all that stuff, we'll do big Christmas services at church. Make sure we'll bring all our family and friends to that. And then we'll come back in the new year, 2020, and we're going to kick off a nine-week series talking about our identity. And we're going to ask all sorts of awesome, interesting questions about what does it mean to be a human and is being human a good thing? And if you kind of read the news, it seems like, you know, depending on who you listen to, like humans are like ruining the earth and everything's going bad. So we're just going to ask the court. We're going to look, what does it mean to be a human being and is it a good thing and all that sort of amazing stuff. So let me pray. And uh, while I pray, if you want to pray, you can pray with me. If you don't, you can uh, open the Bible. You can scroll through the Bible till you find 2 Timothy. We'll read some scripture and we'll go. So let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for all of the 1,000 things that you're doing at Fuse tonight in the lives of young people all across the state of South Carolina that we honestly, if we just kind of went through the, the rhythms, we wouldn't even know to say thank you for. Because we wouldn't notice that you're doing them because we'd be so, uh, we're just naturally, God, we're so focused on us. We're so narcissistic and we're so selfish and we're so greedy and we just are so, we're just all about us. So God, will you give us the gift over the next 22 minutes of forgetting about us and being all about you? Will you help us 
to get out of our minds, to get out of ourselves, to get away from whatever carnal thing that just keeps us focused on here and now and us. And would you help us? Would you open the eyes of our spirits and of our minds, our souls, so that we can see and peer into this wonderful work that you've been doing all over the world for thousands of years. So God, we just bless you. Holy Spirit, will you come tonight and be our teacher, be our guide, be our helper, be our friend, do what we can't. Make these words come alive to us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let me tell you why I love the book of 2 Timothy so much. Let me tell you what 2 Timothy is, first off, and then I'll tell you why I love it so much. So this is the season of life that you're in now, 16, 17 years old, where I began to fall in love with the Bible, okay? I didn't understand it that much, but I could tell that there was something about it that was really significant. So I don't want you to think, like, first time I read the Bible, like, oh, those people that preach and those people that lead small groups, like, first time they read the Bible, it just made sense. That's 100% not true. But if you start to build into your daily rhythm, you start to build into your life, this time where you get into the Word, you spend time in the Word, it will begin to do things in your life. And I promise that's the case. So I started to fall in love with the Bible, read the Bible, get into the Word. And there's, there's different parts of the Bible that, that do and mean different things. There's different styles of literature in the Bible. There's, there's creative things. There's art. There's, there's very instructive things. There's, there's you know, pro- prophetic words. There's, there's, also, there's history. There's all sort of crazy differences. But the thing that I love about 2 Timothy is um, 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy is literally, it's, it's just a letter. Like it is, it got, it made its way into the canon of scripture it, so that it would be like protected for all of us forever and ever and ever so that we could read. But it literally is a letter from an old man who's in prison to a young man who's beginning his life with God. And so you have Paul, and, and a lot of you have heard about the Apostle Paul and his journey, where he was like anti-Jesus, way anti the church, was very religious, loved God. He thought Jesus was a blasphemer, that he was going to destroy everything that like the temple was and the church structure was. And so he was way against Jesus. And then one day he meets Jesus. Jesus is like, why are you persecuting me? I'm the one that you've been like looking for. I'm the fulfillment of everything that you love, etc. So he starts following Jesus, aggressively following Jesus. He goes and he plants churches all over the world, and it's really fascinating. He plants churches all over the place, and his job is basically to go and find a group of believers, teach them the basic things of how to be a Christian, how to follow God, and then to set up leaders in that place. So like if this was a church, like this group, whatever room you're in, if this was like a church and I was Paul, I would come and I would say, okay, guys, I'm going to leave because i got to go travel and help do this in more places. But while I'm gone, here's a handful of things you need to read. And when you get together, encourage and, and, and you know, you, you look like a leader. You be in charge. And uh, like you come and take the reins and you kind of do this stuff. And, and you guys over here, like, can you sing a little bit? Can you get good at singing? So when we get, okay, just sing a little bit. And then, and those of you over here, can you prepare food? And so like, when we get together, you guys just cook, just cook some bread or some, you know, bacon. Can you do bacon? Like just do bacon. They would have done pork anyway, long story. So they will cook and you, you sing and you kind of teach and that would he kind of do. And then he'd go. And then he'd come back, and then he'd go, okay, how are things going? And, oh, I think you guys are kind of off. You're doing some weird stuff. And you guys over here, I'm not really sure you're listening to the guy that's teaching. And that was kind of his job because they didn't have a Bible, right? He had, he had, they had eyewitness testimonies that Jesus actually was God, that he was real. All these miracles are happening. So they'd get together, and they'd pray, and they'd sing, and they'd eat bread together, and they'd share testimonies. And then he'd go to another part of the world, and they'd do that. And it was fascinating. So he does that. He gets really good at that. And he gets so good at it that they start, like when he goes places, they throw him in jail. Because he's just causing riots everywhere. Like his model of setting up a community of believers who really loved God and did life with God, like it absolutely, it, it ruined the current structure that was. Like, like people all of a sudden were saying like, hey, 
yes, there is a Caesar, you are in charge, but I can't keep doing these things, Caesar, because I have a king and his name is Jesus. And so there's riots all over the place, right? Like it was, it'd just be amazing. So he gets thrown in jail. And so when we read the book of First and Second Timothy, we are reading a letter that old man Paul is writing to young man Timothy as he's in jail and he's getting ready to die. And I didn't really maybe appreciate this, I think, because, you know, when you're 15, 16, even at 28, I'm not like, I'm not like ancient, okay? I'm still, still extremely young. But now that I had children and I had to do like life insurance policy and get a will done and all that sort of stuff, now I at least understand maybe a little more about death. Like, I'm at least scared to get on airplanes now, okay? I used to not care, and now I care a ton because I think, oh, no, if I die, someone has to take care of my kids. Anyway, sorry, I don't know how I got off on that. The point is, like, Paul's getting ready to die, and he knows it. And he's starting to have this moment where he's like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm an old man, and I've seen a ton, and I've lived a ton, and I've impacted a ton, and I've had a lot go on, and I've got to make sure that this thing continues, right? Like, like you've maybe seen this if, if you have a family business, or you know somebody that has a family business, where you have like a dad, where he'll just, he'll go out on his own, and be an entrepreneur, he'll start up. Uh, you know, an electrical company and he'll build this company up and he'll hire these employees and he'll do this whole thing. And then at some point, if he doesn't have a child that he's going to pass this down to, like he's going to get old and not be able to work anymore. And he's going to have to come to grips with the fact that somebody's got to do this when he's gone. And so Paul's at this moment in his life where he's writing this letter, he's going, I have, there are things that I need to pass on to you, young Timothy, young man Timothy, that if you don't get this, then this whole experience I've had my entire life, everything that I've done is just going to be wasted, and this legacy thing that has happened to me is just going to die off, and nobody's ever going to hear about it. But because of the things he told Timothy, and because of the way that Timothy took it and ran with it, and the things that the disciples did that carried on, here we are 2,000 years later in a place of the world that they didn't even know existed, and we're here doing the same thing. Not only are we doing the same thing, some of you have small group leaders who are 40, 50, 60 years old who have been walking with God for their entire lives and for much of their lives. And their whole reason that they're here on a Wednesday night to hang out with you and they spend their money to come buy you breakfast and deal with your silly questions and all the amazing things that small group leaders do is because they really desperately want to make sure that this thing passes on. So don't just listen to the words that we say and the things that we teach. Look at the lives that the leaders around you are living and imitate those. That's as important as the words that they say, sweetie. So we're going to get into this text, okay? And I'm going to scrape through the, the first part of this letter. Next week, Stacy's going to talk a little more about it. And third week, Drew's going to finish it up, okay? So that's the context here. That it's an old man in jail writing a letter to a young guy named Timothy. So here we go. <coughs> the first bit of this, there's a greeting. And it says, well, it says greeting, okay? So it's a heading. I don't think Paul wrote greeting. I think they probably put it. Anyway, Paul, verse 1. An apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. And he says this, ah, to Timothy, my beloved child. Now, Paul was a single man who died without physical children. At least that's what most people think. And so Timothy's not his actual child, but Timothy's like his child in the faith. Okay, So imagine this old man who's in jail. He doesn't have any family, so he's going, my child, Timothy, you know, my boy. Grace and mercy and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience as I remember you, Timothy, constantly in my prayers night and day. 
As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I could be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, Timothy. And then look at this. It was a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice. And now, I'm sure, dwells in you as well. Just pause for a second. Isn't that amazing that he's, he's, seeing, he's seeing, hey, Timothy, when I think about you, man, I'm encouraged, and I remember your grandma. Like, I remember how you came to Christ, Timothy. I remember your grandma who was a believer, and she prayed for you, and you became a believer. Like, I remember, I remember your mom. Like, I remember how your grandma loved Jesus, and then your mom loved Jesus, and now, now I'm reminded of your faith that lives in you. You know, I get it. It's part of, it's part of your right as a, like a young person to kind of like buck authority and hate and think mom and dad were just like, they did everything wrong. That's fine. It's just, it's, you're allowed to do that for a little while. But think about this for a second. Think about how many grandmothers have prayed while they cooked and they cleaned and they ran errands. And they took care of homes. They did everything. And it has affected things that you, you're like you're sitting here now because your grandma prayed for you or your grandpa who maybe has been dead for five, 10 years, you don't even know him, but he prayed, man, I'm gonna have grandchildren one day. So God, please. Do you see this like old man, Paul? He's like, get ready to die. And he's like, it's like, Timothy, you're starting this life with God and it's beautiful. God, I just, when I think about you, I'm so thankful for your grandma. It's just a shout out to grandmas. Anyway, sorry, I get, I get just crying thinking about grandma. I, all of my grandparents are dead now. And so I think about this, you know, I think like, how much did my grandparents influence me? And I don't even know, like, I'm never going to talk to him again, you know? It's just amazing. So just keep going. I got a lot, uh, so much more to talk about, and I've taken way too long. Okay. For this reason, okay, here we go. For this reason, I remind you, fan into flame, young Timothy, the gift of God, which, by the way, is in you through the laying on of my hands, which we did a couple weeks ago. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, young Timothy, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord Jesus, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, Timothy, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave to us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. For which I was appointed a teacher, a, pre a preacher, and an apostle, and a teacher. That's why I suffer like I do. But I'm not ashamed. Because I know whom I believed. And I'm convinced that he's able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. So follow the pattern of sound words that you've heard. And in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. And then he says in verse 14. And by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Guard the good deposit that's been entrusted in you. So I just love this. I love, look, I, we, like, I, if I had to tell you about, like, the people that I'm most excited about just, like, in public, like, space, okay, like, celebrities or whatever, I just, I would, I would tell you all about people that are, like, 30, 40 years old, which is a fascinating age, and it's amazing, but that's still, like, extremely young, and you've got, like, half your life left, right? Like, like, I just, I love LeBron James. I think he's playing great for the Lakers. I'm excited to watch them play this year. That's all I'm going to say. But, but he's like 30-something years old, right? Like 35, 36. It's cool what he's done. I like what he's done for the NBA, but he's still like a young guy. Or you think about Kanye and all of the stuff Kanye's going through right now and all the stuff happening with his record and all this amazing stuff. But Kanye's still like 40 years old. Like, he's not like, 
He's like this old man who's come to the end of his age and going, oh, it turns out Jesus was king all along. You know, he's still like a pretty rich, young, cool guy in like in all of like public stuff. But like, it would be, it just, it's amazing to meet a really old person and to see that they're doing well, they're walking with God, they still love Christ, they're still alive on the inside, like their mind is functioning. And to hear their advice, it is priceless. And the advice that Paul is trying to give to Timothy is incredibly important and incredibly relevant to us. And so I don't want you to ever think that like, oh man, is the Bible even relevant? And ask the silly questions like, does Jesus even have anything to do with me, man? Like, yes, are you kidding me? So here's, I'm going to show you three points. There's three kind of instructions right here to kind of synopsize these 14 verses that I want to give to you that Paul is trying to pass on to Timothy. That He's trying to say like, look, man, this legacy, this thing about Jesus, it really has got to make it. It's got to survive. So there's three things. The first thing is this. You've got to guard what God gave you. You've got to guard what God has given you. And so he uses an analogy here in just a second that I want to talk about where he says, like, kind of fan into flame. And we're going to talk about that for a second. But I want you to think about, um, like, how many of you, it's kind of the cold, it's kind of the time of the year. How many of you are, like, bonfire people? Like, you're big bonfire people. All right. How many of you are big enough bonfire people that you would do what I did and you buy a headlamp so you can be a better, more successful bonfire person? Anybody? I know this is lame. You can laugh if you want to. Point is... If you're a real bonfire person or you're a real camping person, you're going to need this because you, unless you're going to look like a moron out in the mountain or the woods carrying around your iPhone trying to use the flashlight the whole time. But look, just, just look at this. Like, I still got my hands. You know how practical this is. My wife thinks I'm a giant loser because I wear this in our backyard. In fact, I did this, I think, last night and built a fire and did all stuff. So, okay, I'm going to turn that off and take this off. I look like ridiculous. But anyway, think about a fire, okay? Think about building a, a, a fire. Um, a fire, when it's when you're trying to get a fire going, and not like you didn't go to like Ingalls and buy like a starter log, okay? I'm talking like if you're in the woods and you're like trying to actually get a fire to grow, then when you're first starting, like that this little flame that you get going, it is like extremely vulnerable, right? Like you got to get some wind to it, but not too much. And you want to like put some kind of kindling on there, but not too much. And you have to like pay attention. You want to guard this thing and protect this thing. I'll never forget when I brought my first baby home from the hospital. And you know, at first I'm like, oh, I'm got, I'll have boys and I'll just, you know, they'll be tough. We'll make them strong. They'll be able to walk. But like you bring this baby home and you're like literally you're like walking around the house like this. You're like, don't drop the baby. You know, it's like, don't drop the baby. And this car seat, it's like $5,000, just kidding. But it's expensive for this car seat and it's made with like lasers and stuff to make sure this baby doesn't move anywhere. Why? Because something that's that small is vulnerable, extremely vulnerable. This is what it's like for you to have life in the kingdom of God being put into you right in these days. It's, 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 not that, it's not that you're immature. It's not that you don't know what you're doing. It's not that you don't self-control. It's that this thing that God's trying to do in you is in you, but it's vulnerable. So you have to guard it. This is why we're going to really encourage you to pay attention to the people that you have in your life. This is why it may sound mean when I tell you some of you need to break up with people that you're dating. Why? Not because they're bad people, not because you're a good person, but because this thing that God is doing inside of you is vulnerable and you have to guard it. This is why some of you shouldn't play sports. 
Because seriously, some of you have no self-control. And when you get around people, and you're, you're not going to go play professional sports, what you're going to do is you're going to spend your entire high school career taking this beautiful, vulnerable thing that God's doing and just letting it be blown out while it's trying to grow. You have to guard what God has given you. What in your life right now is exposing or is making vulnerable or is keeping this thing from growing that God has put inside of you? Where are you not guarding this gift that God has given you? What is God trying to build and do inside of you? And how can you be doing better to guard it, protect it, to care for it, to nurture it? What in your life needs to change to better guard what God's trying to do in you? So you've got to guard what God gave you. Number two, you've got to grow what God gave you. He's saying, man, you've got to fan this puppy into flame. You know, imagine Paul, this old man, and he's writing to young man Timothy, and he's saying, look, Timothy, you got to grow this thing, man. you got to fan this thing into flame. Again, bonfire illustration, because we're bonfire people. It's fall, it's bonfire season, all right? If you don't like bonfires, man, you need to go outside and make a fire. Listen, I know you're going to smell like smoke, and it's going to be just, oh, but you need to get some smoke in your face from natural wood burning outside when it's cold. Amen. You need to wake up in the morning and you like your eyes are red because you can't see and your allergies are going crazy and you have like cotton mouth because you've been just breathing in smoke for hours. Like that is your inheritance in Christ every fall and you need to take advantage of it. So anyway, so if you build this fire, one of my favorite things about building a fire, I did this the other night. I'm an old man. I put my kids to bed. My wife's working on stuff. So I said, I'm going to go outside. So I put my headlamp on, my flannel on. I go outside. I build this fire and I'm building this fire and then I'm reading a book. I'm literally 611 years old. I build a fire outside, and I sit down, and I'm reading a book. And I get done, and I, you know, I, I'm, I'm reading for like 15, 20 minutes, and I look up, and all this, like, the kindling, the small wood that I put on there to build this fire is kind of gone. Right? I wasn't trying to build a four-hour fire. So I didn't have this huge log on there. I just had a couple of small like, like you know, blocks or whatever, small logs. And so it's done, but I can still see the coals. All right. So what do you do? What do you do? You put some more stuff on there, and then what do you do? You get down like this with your headlamp. So you can see, and you do this. You build, who, who's, who does what I'm talking about? You built a fire. Okay, I'm not crazy. Don't look at me like I'm crazy. Build a fire. If you haven't done this, there's something that is wrong with you. You build a fire. You put some more stuff on there, some leaves, some more, a little more wood, and you get down there, and, you, and some coals blow in your eyes, and you, you blink a thousand times, you pour water in your face, and then you... Look, some of you, on a serious note, this is how you need to be doing. This is what you need to be doing with God, with what God has put in you. It's there. It's alive. It's growing a little bit. Like, it does not this massive flame, but it's there. And so what in your life can you be doing to be going, to fan this thing? This is why we ask you to get in a group. It's not because we are like dying to have a thousand fuse groups all of a sudden. No, it's because there are people that God has intentionally placed around you that can help you do this. So what's God put in you? Some of you are, are like artists. Like some of you are, are musicians and songwriters and poets. And art. What, are you, what are you doing to grow this thing? Some of you are leaders. You have influence. It's amazing. God's going to ask you to, man, make some real impact, some real change in your school, in your community, in your career one day. What are you what are you doing? How can you jump in and start leading a group somewhere, leading a kid's spring room, helping somebody? What can you be doing to fan into flame this gift that God has put in you? You have to guard this thing, but not only guard it, you don't just sit and play defense. You've got to make sure this thing is growing. Some of you are going to be preachers. Like when you are in spaces, you read the Bible, you think, man, I can help somebody understand this. What are you doing to grow it? Where are you teaching? Where are you sharing? 
Some of you feel called, like there's this thing inside of you where you've, you are going to be in, you're going to be entrusted by God with the gift of generosity. And you're going to have a ton of money and you're going to be able to give and do a lot of things. How are you with what you have now? Some of you have the blessing of extremely wealthy parents who give you a lot of money. How are you giving away money now? How are you, how are you growing what God has given you? So you have to guard it. But don't just guard it. Don't just take this little light of mine and tuck it away behind a bushel or whatever. Like grow that thing. Grow that, fan that baby into flame. This is what old man Paul is writing to Timothy, man. He's saying, hey, get this thing going. And then the third thing is this. You've got to give what God has given you. So you got to guard this thing. Make sure it doesn't go out too early. Make sure you don't have a, a boyfriend or, or a, a set of friends or too many extracurricular activities or a sports team that you're absolutely horrible at, but you're just dying to fit in with everybody, so you cash in all your morals. And So make sure you don't have something in your life that takes this fire out too early, but then also make sure you're, grow, make sure you're fanning it into flame. Look, we're going to talk about, um, we're talking about sin issues consistently because we have to, but I want you to hear when we challenge a behavior, like when we challenge, if we, if we get up here and we talk about like vaping, or we talk about like looking at pornography, or we talk about something that's just kind of explicit and it's like in your face, we're not doing that because we just want to make everybody do all the right things all the time. You know what we're doing? We're trying to make sure that there's nothing that's trying to put out the flame that God's trying to grow in you. And there's some things practically that we just need as your kind of leaders, as your spiritual kind of counsel that are trying to help, there are things that we have to be able to ask you about. There are things that we need to be going, hey, look, I'm just one small season further down the road from you. And I can just tell you, if, if and when I would have listened to people telling me about boom, 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 man, it would have really benefited me now. So we got to guard it. We got to grow it. But then at some point, you got to give it. At some point, this thing that God has put inside of you has got to grow into this fire that actually helps people. Like at some point, people are going to have to be able to get warm off the fire that God's put in your heart. Did you know, I read, learned something fascinating this week. This is where I'm going to close. 80% of churches, just like, you know, the things that Paul planted, like communities of Christians, they never grow. There's like plateaued, they never grow. 17% of them grow by migration, meaning you just do church cooler than the other church, so all the Christians leave the other church and come to your church. That's 97%. Only 3% of communities of faith, so like this and your room and whatever, only 3% of them ever grow because people actually tell other people about Jesus. Only 3% of them. Also read another super interesting statistic. You guys are known as Generation Z. I've heard that a zillion times lately, so I don't actually care about it anymore. But listen, one of the things that's fascinating about it is this. I think it was like 69% or 68% or something of Gen Z, of people your age, like one of the things that has just been so, um, that's such a, a, a massive piece of your culture is you're so afraid to offend anyone that you would never, ever, ever in a million years like tell them about Jesus because what if, what if it like offends them? And I get it, like I get, I get it, I get it. You have totally different social pressures than I had. Like I'm a, I'm a millennial, strangely enough, right? So I'm different. We had different social pressures. I had different things. But at the end of the day, like you, I'm not saying run around and like paint your whole body as a cross and like run. But what I'm saying is like at some point, this thing that God has done in you has got to be so hot that other people can feel the heat. You know what I'm saying? 
Like at some point, if, 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 if we take Paul's word seriously, like the word that he gave to Timothy, and we guard this, this flame, this thing that God's growing in us, we guard it. We make sure it doesn't go out too early, right? Like I'm going to set some, some good rhythms in my life, some good habits. I'm going to kind of, nah, I'm going to stop talking to that guy because for some reason I find myself smoking weed every time I'm around him or, or this group of girls I'm going to keep away, not because I want to be a hypocrite or whatever, but just... I don't know, I just, I know that I can feel God's trying to do something to me and I want to kind of protect it. And then we kind of move over here and we start to grow this thing and we go, okay, now here's what I'm really, I'm really, I'm going to get in a group, I'm going to get a leader, I'm going to start kind of telling the truth about who I am and where I am and how things are going, making some progress, learning my Bible, serving in church, being faithful, being consistent. I'm going to start growing this thing. Then eventually we'll get to this place where people will feel something about our lives because this thing that God put in us when we were little that maybe started in your grandmother. And moved on to your mother and is now just dwelling inside of you, it will be hot. And when you show up on your college campus or when you walk into your locker room or as you sit down at the Thanksgiving table, there'll be a flame in one of the chairs and it'll be the one you're sitting in. It doesn't have to be this like magical thing that just happens overnight. Like I just woke up one morning and I was on fire for God, right? Like you've heard that. No, it's not how it happens. It happens because we guard this little, this little vulnerable flame and then we grow it with good people and good leaders and good relationships and healthy habits and good choices. And then eventually it just becomes this big thing. So let me ask you as we close and then we'll pray and sing a little bit. What are you doing to guard this thing that God's doing in you? Is, is there anywhere where it's vulnerable that it doesn't need to be vulnerable? Like, are there any habits in your life or people in your life or rhythms in your life that you need to just kind of push away so you can guard this thing that God's trying to grow in you? And are you growing it? Like, are you maximizing what God's trying to do in your life? Are you really, really maximizing it? Are you serving where you need to be serving? Are you giving back? Are you, are you trying to pass this thing on to the next generation? Are you, are you doing your part? And can people feel the heat off the flame that God's trying to grow in you? So I want to pray for you. And in our response time tonight, as I pray for you, I want us to sing. I want us to worship. That's a way that we kind of stir this flame. But I want you to think. I want you to reflect. I don't want us to just hear this and then move on. Because if we're going to carry this thing forward, it's going to take us actually putting some things into practice. Is there something about your life that you really do need to change? What's it going to take for you to change that? Is there, are there people in your life that you really do need to kind of separate from? And will you actually do that? Because if Paul was with us, if, 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 if Paul was this old man in prison now and we got this letter and we didn't know what the Bible was and we didn't know what church was and we didn't know all this and all we had was somebody comes running in the room and goes, hey, 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 I got this letter, I got the letter from Paul. I just got back from prison, I saw him in prison and he, just, and he, and he saw and he handed me the letter and here's what it says. By the Holy Spirit, guard the deposit that's been entrusted to you. Would we sit here and go, whoa, man, am I guarding this? So will you stand every campus? I want to pray. I want to pray for you. And then we kind of have this rhythm after we preach and, and look at God's word together where we sing and we pray and we worship. And I just want to encourage you. This is a space where we're not just trying to hit repeat on the rhythm. We're not just trying to do the same thing. Like we build in some time so that if there's something that you need to do with kind of what we're hearing and what we're talking about, that you would have space to do it. 
For some of you, it may be like quiet, you know, reflective prayer. For some of you, it may be that you just want to sit and read through 2 Timothy for a little bit because this is the only time where you're not tired from homework or not on the bus and you actually can read your Bible here. Or some of you, it may be that the Spirit of God is kind of convicting you and working through some sin in your life, some things you need to guard against or grow or whatever. And you need to, t- let's, like, let's, make, let's take this time, you know. But just don't feel pressured to kind of do the same thing in this space. You know, we make this space for you. So let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for this deposit that you have made into us. Thank you for the legacy that has been left by men and women, by grandmothers and grandfathers, by moms and dads, by aunts and uncles, by teachers and coaches and mentors and bosses and people that we've just interacted with where at some point somebody laid a hand on our shoulder and prayed for us and just deposited this this legacy, this kingdom of God inside of us. Thank you, God, that we are a part of the same team running the same play for thousands of years. God, we want to do well with our play now. We want to steward well our time here. We want to honor the legacy that's gone before us, this faith legacy, these church people over the last 2,000 years in countries all over the world those who have gone on to be presidents and those who have gone on to be murdered, those who have gone on to have children and those who have died praying and asking God for those who have suffered and those who have thrived, those who have planted other churches and those who have built business and done well and those who have starved to death hoping that somebody would help them come and teach them how to grow food. Believers that are living the same legacy all over the world God, will you help us to guard and grow what you have given to us? God, we bless you. We thank you. Thank you for the church. Will you work in us now as we sing to you? In Jesus' name we